When you become a widow, the heartache can be overwhelming. You feel lost, you feel broken, you feel alone, and sometimes you feel like the pain will never go away. I believe that every widow has the capacity to endure, the power to overcome, and the determination to create a new life filled with meaning and purpose. That's why I wanted to create a show called Widow 180. People tell me they come here for the positivity. They listen to Widow 180, the podcast, to be inspired. They come to Widow 180 to be reminded that they have options, that the pain of loss is not a life sentence. Widow 180 is about turning tragedy, loss, and fear into strength, creativity, and a new passion for life. My mission each week is to arm you with these powerful stories of transformation and knowledge so that you can navigate life after loss. I'm Jen Zwink. I'm so glad you're listening. Let's get to the episode. This podcast episode is sponsored by the Widow Connection Community, a membership community where widows come together to unite on a path of self-discovery, build friendships, and inspire healing after loss. There's so much power when you surround yourself by people who 100% understand what you're going through, who are positive and supportive in every way. Are you ready to open up your heart and explore what's possible for you in this next chapter of life? Are you ready to step into a new version of yourself, a fearless version of you who is ready to live the highest, truest expression of herself? Are you ready to push past the grief that weighs on you and makes you feel lost and tired and alone? Are you ready to explore different ways of healing? If so, this is where you need to be. This is the space in which you will thrive. Join us on our group coaching sessions every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You belong here. You are welcome here. Let's do this together. Get more information and sign up at www.widow180.com forward slash membership. That's www.widow180.com forward slash membership. Hello, podcast listeners. This is going to be such a treat today. Our guest today is Bevan Farron. She is an author, a speaker, a mama, and the founder of the Take the Damn Trip movement, which just from the name of that, I said, okay, I love her. I love her already. She is my kind of people. She is your kind of people. Bevan is here to talk to us today about how the sudden loss of her husband, Mark, has changed the trajectory of her life, her perspective, her attitude, all of it. Thank you, Bevan, so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor to be here with you. Oh, I'm so glad that we are doing this. Um, I've been wanting to talk to you for a while. So (laughs) we're going to jump right in. Can you tell us how did you meet Mark? I met Mark. Well, the short version is I met Mark on eHarmony, but the longer version is because I've, I I started to tell people about the story about losing Mark and then a lot of other things about my life come up and they're like, wow, you've had a lot of like shitty things happen, which I don't really view it that way, but I can see how it would come across that. So in 2010, I actually lost my home in a house fire. And so I was living in Chicago and my house burned down. And so a couple of months later, it it ended up taking three years for them to rebuild my building. And so a couple of months in, I was like, I can't afford rent and a mortgage. So I moved back home to be with my mom. I work remotely so I could work from anywhere. And in that, I was like, all my friends are married and I don't know anybody really who's single. So I said, I just want to go, I want to get out of the house. Right. And so I joined eHarmony I was like, worst case, I'll just get a few free dinners out of it. Right. (laughs) And so I met Mark. He actually, um, was, had been sort of recently divorced. Like they'd been separated for a while. He'd recently divorced. We met, um, August 31st and we just really instantly knew, like, I think we were, we moved in together by Christmas and, um, it, he, we were just so, <laughs> it's like, we were so complete opposites, but such the perfect compliment for each other. And I joke that he would pay off the city of Chicago to slow down the construction until he was ready to propose. <laughs> that is awesome. Not about the house fire, but what yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not a Susie sunshine. Everything happens for a reason at all. Like I don't think, oh, my house burned down so that I could meet Mark, but I do know that 
in that I decided not to move back to Chicago. We ended up selling that condo. We used the money from that to build our dream home. And then we used the money from the sale of his house for our IVF fund because my kiddos are IVF babies. Ah. So we definitely, we can never control what happens to us, but we can always control how we respond. And so Mark and I definitely looked at that of how do we respond to what's happening in a way that moves our dreams forward? Yes. Yes. And tackle it with some intention. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell us about this incredible trip to France that you went on. That was for your 40th birthday, right? Yeah. So in 2019 on mother's day, Mark surprised me with four bottles of Bordeaux wine and a card written in French, which was, he didn't speak French. So I was like, something is up here. And so I read it and he was taking me to France for my 40th birthday, which was in November of that year. And I got even more excited when he was like, it's just us. We're leaving the kids. <laughs> I was like, yes, this is amazing. So two <laughs> weeks later, I got laid off from mm. a job that I absolutely loved. It was a complete surprise. I thought I was going in for a promotion and instead I got laid off. Oh. And so all of a sudden we're like, we, we were definitely a two income family and that's taken away. And our first reaction was, oh my gosh, should we cancel the trip to France? And then a few weeks after that, I said to Mark, as we were walking out on our country road, I said, I don't think I'm going to look for another job. (laughs) He was an engineer. So he was kind of like, what? Yeah. But I told him, I said, this is the third time that I have been laid off and I don't want to do this anymore. So I am going to take everything that I have learned over the past 10 years as a business coach and strategist, and I'm going to start my own business. And I said, let's just test it. Let's try it as a proof of concept. If I can make $1,000 by the end of August, or no, I said, if I can make $5,000 by the end of August, then it's a valuable concept. We'll keep moving. So I made $1,000 in July. I hit my $5,000 in August (laughs) and quickly by, I think, October had taken my business to about $10,000 a month. Wow. But we still thought this is crazy to go on this trip to France because we were going to be in planes as long as we were on the ground. It was a very, very much a whirlwind trip. But we decided. So even the day before, I was like, we should totally cancel, right? No, we should go. So we went. It was amazing. We drank incredible wine. We had delicious food. We wandered through the city and we really got to know each other again as who we were before we had kids, before we got married, like we were always such a good team. And so that was such a great opportunity for us to do that. And then we came home and it was the week before Thanksgiving. So Mark had taken the week off to do stuff around the house. So we took our daughter to her first movie theater show. She was two and a half. We got the house ready for Thanksgiving. It was pre-COVID. So we had 25 people come for Thanksgiving. (laughs) Had so much fun, such a great Thanksgiving. And then the morning after Thanksgiving, Mark didn't wake up. He he passed away in the middle of the night, completely unexpectedly. We had no idea that he had undiagnosed heart disease. One of his arteries was 95% blocked and the other was 50% blocked. This trip was not this big hurrah, like our last trip. We really had no idea And so all of a sudden I am now a solo parent of two children under three, a, an entrepreneur with a very untested business. Right. And I'm doing all this without my best friend and the love of my life by my side. And so my life was completely flipped upside down. How old was your youngest? He was 10 months old. 10 months. Oh, yeah. And so I, I made a post on social media a couple of weeks later talking about that trip and talking about our time together and the fact that we had decided really debated about whether or not to go. And I ended the post saying that I was so glad we had been on that adventure together. And whenever you're faced with a choice, just take the damn trip. And that really resonated with people. I had people reaching out saying, oh my gosh, I took this trip with my parents before they passed away. It was so powerful or man, this is such a good reminder. You know, I'm going to go ahead and take that leap. And and it's not about vacations. Mm -hmm. It's really about taking the damn chance on yourself. Yeah. And so that is how the movement was really born. And the, the damn part of it, 
yeah. does mean something. It's not just, <laughs> it's not just a, I'm a little sweary, but I really looked at all the difficult things that I've been through, like losing my house in a house fire and going through IVF and a miscarriage and losing my dad to cancer and obviously losing Mark. And then looking at what are the incredible things that I've created and what is it that I do differently to navigate all of these things with some grace and creativity. And that is where the damn framework came, or came to being. And so um, everything I teach is around this. And it's, it means um, decide and declare, attend your own party, moments, not minutes, and now is the time. I would like to invite you to get our latest freebie designed just for you. How to get your life back together after loss, a 10-step checklist. After countless hours of research, interviewing hundreds of widows, and through my own experience with grief, I have compiled this list of the 10 steps you need to take to put your life back together after losing a loved one. It's normal to feel overwhelmed and also normal to not know where to start when it comes to picking up the pieces of your shattered world. Here's where you start. You can get this free 10-step checklist at www.widow180.com forward slash freebie. That's www.widow180.com forward slash freebie. Oh my gosh. Well, let's go back a little bit because I did you have, you had family that was close to you. I did. At the time. Thank God. Thank God. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's just for that extra support. We need that. Yeah. Um, And especially because of my kids, you know, I had a two and a half year old and a 10 month old, and then we hit COVID a few months later. And so I remember right after Mark passed away, there was there for a while, for a couple of weeks, one of my children was always awake. (laughs) So it was like, if I had been 100% by myself, I would literally never have slept because they were both terrible sleepers. We ended up getting them sleeping. That was fine. But thank God my sisters and my mom, my one sister flew in from Boston right away, stayed for a week or 10 days. Two of my sisters live close by. My mom lives close by. And it really felt like I was held up by the people around me. So yes, thank God I was close. You're right. Cause I mean, I'm thinking about this time frame. This was end of November. And then mm-hmm. yeah, three months later, four months yeah. later, yeah. everything shut down. Yeah. So yeah, you're very, you could have been very isolated in this, but you had your family there. Yeah. And I will t- to speak to that because I do think that was very difficult, the isolation. So my love language, one of my love languages is physical touch. So I love to hug people and to have that isolation from some of my closest friends, because, you know, we were all being so careful, like when all I wanted and needed was like somebody sitting next to me on the couch, drinking a glass of wine, like letting me cry. That was very hard. And obviously that was a situation where it was completely out of, out of my control. But what I did realize through that is when we are grieving, we have to ask for what we need because our friends and the people who love us want to help, but they don't always know how. And so we, as the person going through loss, feel like we are intruding on somebody or imposing to say, I really just need somebody to come sit with me. I please just like, can you bring some groceries, please? Can you just take my kids for an hour so I can sit in the shower and cry? And we're so scared to ask for that, but the reality is they want to help. They just don't know how. And I cannot tell you how many people have said to me, I was going to reach out, but I didn't want to bug you. Or if you weren't thinking about it, like I didn't want to ruin your day. And I had to say to them, let me just set the record straight. There is never a day that I have forgotten that my husband passed away. Right. So please err on the side of reaching out. I know. I know. And I can remember those very early days when my daughter was two and nine months when my husband was killed. And 
you know, all the phone calls that you have to make, all of the calls, all of oh, the, yeah. the, the business side of it. Right. And I can just remember being like, I, I pray to God, I just need somebody to come over here so that I can make a phone call. That's all I need. Yeah. Yeah. I just need someone to come and sit with her in the other room for like an hour. So I can talk to the stupid insurance company or whatever. Yeah. It is. The maddeningly the ineffective phone calls that you had stuff. to make. <laughs> yes. With little ones around that are you know, you're the only one there. So it's, and those conversations are so hard to have anyway. Oh I remember God. calling yeah. to shut down one of Mark's credit cards and, you know, having the conversation and they were like, well, could you put the account holder on the phone? And I was like, perhaps we need to start this conversation over and you need to listen this time. My husband has passed away, yeah. but you hang up those calls and you're so drained because you've had to go through the conversation yeah. again. And again, you feel so, I don't know, this was me, maybe I'm speaking just for me, but everything felt so ineffective when I would talk and they're like, well, you just have to wait for the mail. And can you just confirm this? We can't confirm it over the phone. So you end these calls so drained and then to turn around and be like, let me take care of my nine month old with that energy that they deserve because I'm a mom, but you know what? I need it for myself too. So yes, we have to ask for help. We have to be willing to accept help. Yeah. Also have to be able to say no when something is not helpful. And that's hard. Sometimes that's the hardest thing, but to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to say no to that. You could, you could help me in this way. Yes, absolutely. Um, Now in those first months, first few months for you, I know a lot of widows, most widows I'll say are completely overtaken by the overwhelm of all of the things that we have to do, the Mm -hmm. shock of what's Mm -hmm. happened. Um, What was your biggest fear that you can think of or worry that you could think of in those first few months? Oh God. Okay. So, you know, I think the first thing when we talk about the overwhelm, I remember talking to a grief coach that I worked with and saying, never occurred to me to just stop. It never occurred to me to just curl up under my desk and not move. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, no one would have blamed you if you had done that. There are plenty of people who do. And for me, it was so clear that my priorities were my children, keeping my house, my children, my health and keeping my house because Mark and I built this dream house together. And in order to take care of those three things, I needed to keep my business running. Now, I also enjoyed being back in my business because of what we just spoke about. I was on so many phone calls where I felt like I wasn't making a dent in anything because of insurance and life insurance and 401ks and all of those things Mm -hmm. that to be able to go to work and make an impact on my clients' lives, it was such a relief. Oh, yeah. So that was, for me, it was, and this is really part of the damn framework, which is the, we decide and declare what our top priority is. And that's our yes. And our why. Mm -hmm. And so when I knew that my yes was to take care of my children, myself and my home, and my why is, you know, to continue to support and inspire them. Then on the days when it gets really, really hard, I stayed focused on that. Yeah. And I also, the other part of the damn framework in the end is I teach what I call micro actions, which is the smallest possible action you can, you will actually take. And some days that is frankly, just like getting up, getting yourself a glass of water and going back to bed. And that's okay. Yes. Yes. And some days you feel like you could move mountains and that's okay too. We do the best that we can and no more. Right. Now my biggest fears and I get, and I still have these fears occasionally And that is the fact that my husband passed away in the middle of the night unexpectedly. And in the morning when he passed away, I remember looking at the monitor. He was actually in my daughter's room. And I remember looking at the monitor and saying, and and Mark's parents were here that day because it was the day after Thanksgiving. And they were like, oh, is Mark still sleeping? I remember looking being like, yeah, he's still still asleep. Um, I'm just going to give him some more time because he's been really exhausted recently. And then when I went up, he had passed away. And so every once in a while, I look at the monitor for my kids and I'm like, are they breathing? 
or especially right after the fact, I remember going, my daughter had come into my room. She was laying next to me and I was like trying to hear if she was breathing. Like you're not breathing very loudly. And I like picked her up and she kind of ragdolled and I was like, okay, I need you to breathe. And I knew, I knew that I was being irrational and I had to honor that fact. There was a day that my mom was staying here and she had taken the monitor from my son and I heard my son crying. So I got up and I was like, oh, you know, my mom's probably just really tired. So I was holding my son and then I'm like, what if she's not really tired? What if something has happened? And I carried my son down and I went in the guest room. I'm like, mom, mom, mom. And I like woke her up and I was like, okay, that's all I needed. I just needed to see that you were awake. And now I'm going back because, but what I realized, and I kind of want to share this with people is that I could have sat in the nursery and been like, you're being ridiculous. Everything's fine. And tried to talk myself out of that feeling, or I could get up do what I could do, which was wake my mom up and make sure she was okay. And let that feeling settle because the longer we try to fight feelings or ignore them, the longer they stick around. If instead I say there is an action I can take, it means I can go down and make sure my mom's okay, even though it's three in the morning and then I'll feel better. Take the action. Right. Right. Oh, all the things you're saying, it's just like the the trauma of what yeah. you have been through, of course, you're going to think that. And of course you're going to worry about that. Yeah. That's the image that you have that replays in your head. And so that's what you're thinking. And though people will ask me sometimes about that, they'll be like, how do you plan for the worst case scenario? And I tell them, I don't think you do. I don't mm. think it does us any good to catastrophize and to worry what would happen. If, because if I had spent the first 39 years of my life worrying about worst case scenarios, I still would not have come up with my husband passes away six days after I turned 40. There's no way that would have been on my radar. So I would have spent these years worrying about things that didn't happen. Yeah. Instead, we just know that no matter what happens, We never lose our creativity, our resilience, our ability to navigate. It's not that it's always going to be pretty. (laughs) It's not always going to look how we want it to look, but we never lose that. So we know that whatever happens, if we stay present in the moment, we can overcome it. Yes. So I want to go through the damn framework individually. Just start with D. Um, Tell us. Of course. What does that mean? (laughs) So it's decide and declare. And that is we have to decide what our top priority is, because if everything is a top priority, nothing is. So no matter what it is, that is your, your big, bold dream. You have to decide on that. So one of my dreams has been to be a mom of three. I've just always known I'm a mom of three. Mm -hmm. And when Mark passed away, we were 60 days away from our next round of IVF to have our third child. And when that felt stolen away at the same time I lost Mark, that didn't feel fair. And so I decided in 2020 to move forward with the IVF that we had planned. And I am now the mom of three children, (laughs) five and under. Um, so I had my daughter, Maristella at the, uh, in July of 2021. Okay. Okay. So that was a decision that I made. I was said, I am, this is going to be my top priority. That means I'm going to have to say no to some other things. So we decide what our top priority is for now. And then we declare it. And it's not about shouting it from the social media rooftops. It's about using what I call layered declarations. So we start by declaring what we want to ourselves, right? We just are honest about what it is that we want. We figure out our yes and our why. Then we tell two to three people about it and they are your cheerleaders. Their whole goal is just to say, yes, that's great. When it was, when I was getting pregnant, it was like, your goal is yay ultrasounds, hooray for blood tests. Like that. I don't want any doubt. I don't want any questions. It's just your two to three cheerleaders. Because yeah. your big dream isn't, isn't strong enough yet to like, it hasn't grown. It's still a little itty bitty seedling. Then you build some momentum and you tell a few more people, your, your support team. 
then a little bit more, then a little bit more, because every time you add on a layer, you have built more confidence and momentum in your dream. So it's easier to start to withstand that because when I decided to get pregnant with Maristella, not everybody was excited. In fact, I've lost some friends over it. I was going to ask you that. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't start telling people right away. I told a few people then I told a few more and it wasn't until I was 12 weeks pregnant when traditionally a lot of people tell the world (laughs) that I shared it with people. And I said, if you, I would love as much support as possible, but if you're not comfortable with that, that's okay. Mm. Like it's the difference between permission and support. Yeah. Yeah. We don't need anybody's permission to go after our big, bold dreams. But if they they want to support us, great. And their decision about whether or not to support us is not going to change our decision about whether or not to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you something else about um, the big, bold dreams. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Because I feel like when I talk to a lot of widows, um, it's just a very, you know, kind of common reaction, not reaction, but we, we feel so small Mm. and we feel like we don't have any direction. We don't have any purpose. It's hard for us to decide. And it's hard for us to even open up our minds to the possibilities of what we can do after loss. So when I talk to people and I ask them about their dreams and their goals and they, they are really small, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I know we have to start somewhere and, and build on that and build confidence as we make decisions and things, but how can we get, how do you think we can get widows to think big? Like, yeah, let's just open up your heart and your mind and everything to the this yeah. bigger, bigger picture that you can't really see. How do you get people to look past what's right in front of them. Yeah. That's so hard, isn't it? Right. Cause we've just been through this trauma. And so I think the first thing is that we don't have to rush it. Right. Mm. When people hear about what I've created. It wasn't like I woke up the day after Mark passed away and was like, I'm going to create a movement. Like, not at all. Right. This was built over time. There are still, there are still days I like curl up on the floor of my closet and cry and miss Mark terribly. So what I do with clients is I have them create what I call your damn manifesto. And that is the yes and the why, right? And, and it's not just one why I call it your six dimensional why, where, so the yes part, I think part of what you're talking about here with the yes is that we have forgotten how to dream like children. And so when we have a dream, we immediately think, oh, well, it couldn't work because of this, especially if we've just gone through loss, right? So I really want to start this business, but of course I can't do that because I just lost my spouse and I have to do X, Y, Z. A lot of people would have thought that as soon as Mark passed away, I should have gone back and gotten a job, right? But my, I was so clear on my own damn manifesto, my yes, it, because of why, that I knew that that wasn't the right path. So we, we have this this immediate editor in our head as we're dreaming. So I walk through people through this five-day process of finding your yes, which is the first thing is we dream big. We dream like children. We spend 15 minutes just right, like say right till the water runs clear. All the things you could do, all the things you might want to do. And then on day two, you focus in and you pick that top priority. You say, okay, this is the thing that is most important to me right now. And then we add some more color to it and we do some gut checks and then we build, start to build momentum. And then the why, when we talk about the six dimensional why is because our dreams, when we make changes in our lives, they are going to impact many areas of our life. And sometimes we ignore that. And sometimes we try to hang our dreams on one flimsy little why, right? I want to start a business because I want to have financial freedom. The problem with doing that is then when it gets hard and it will always get hard, that why is not enough. So you have to fully flesh it out. You have to think about how is my dream going to impact me financially, emotionally, mentally, physically, socially, and spiritually. Yeah. Okay. So then when you have that, right, when you have your damn manifesto, 
it becomes that touchstone that you come back to whenever you are struggling, whenever it gets hard. And again, it can be small, right? Like you're, when we, people sometimes hear like big, bold dream. And it's like, well, I have to want to write a book or do this. I'm like, no, it's just what feels big and bold to you. Okay. You know? And so sometimes that is, might seem small or just not what somebody else would want. Right. And there's not many people in my life who want a third child. Right. But it's for me, that is, I knew that that was what I wanted. So it's not desperately just so strongly. Like it was my soul's purpose. Same with my business. There's a lot of people who don't want to be entrepreneurs. I know that sharing the damn framework is my soul's purpose. Yes. Thank you for that. Thank you for that answer. (laughs) Okay. So what is the A? Moving on. The A is attend your own party. And there are two parts to this as well. One is, and this is super powerful for people who have gone through loss. That is, we are creating our experience of life through our thoughts. Our thoughts are the filter through which we see life. And since everybody has had different experiences and brings different thoughts, we all see things through different filters. So when we stay grounded in the moment, we make our most powerful decisions and we we are our most powerful selves. When we're up in our thoughts, then we're not in the moment. That's where anxiety comes from. But when we're grounded, then there's an action to take. Remember, I talked about my mom thinking my mom had passed away, right? That's anxiety because I'm up in my thoughts being like, okay, is she, is she okay? Did she have a stroke? Like what could possibly have happened? Yeah. That's up in my thoughts. And if I had chosen to stay up in my thoughts, I would have been spinning and spinning and spinning. But instead I got grounded in the moment. I said, okay, let me deal with what is not with what if, what can I do in this moment? I can walk down the hall and wake her up and might that might be an inconvenience for her, but it will make both of us feel better. So when we are, so that's one thing of the A is like, when we are grounded in the moment, then we are going to make our strongest decisions. We stay at our own party. The other part of it is we compare ourselves to where we are, where we've been and where we want to go, not to other people. So we're not, when we're at other people's parties, right. Then we're worried about, oh, well that, that widow seems like she has it so much more together. Or that person didn't lose their spouse. Like we can always make ourselves feel better or worse, depending on which way we look. Yeah. And so if instead I'm like, okay, this is where I'm at. I lost my husband two and a half years ago. I still miss him every single day. I have my three children. They are amazing. When I'm missing Mark, I'm okay with that. I am okay Mm -hmm. with staying present in the moment and grieving Cause I'm like, I can hold grief and happiness. I'm not happy that I'm grieving. I'm holding both. Yeah. And so I stay, okay, well, where do I want to go? I want to keep sharing this message. I want to make sure that my kids know, like my oldest daughter is really the only one that truly remembers Mark. Jonathan was only 10 months old and Maristella has never met him. And so when I talk to Guinevere and I say, you have such an important job, we have to tell the stories. We have to tell Jonathan and Maristella about daddy because they don't know the stories. And recently my son, because my Guinevere and I will sometimes blow kisses to the moon. If we're missing daddy a lot, I'm like, what do you want to do? Do you want to watch a video of him? Do you want to look at pictures? Do you want to blow kisses to the moon? And so she's like, let's blow kisses to the moon. So that's what we do. And now Jonathan has started to do that. He's like, can I blow kisses to the moon? I'm like, absolutely. Love that. And that comes back to the, we can't choose what happens to us, but we can always choose how we respond. It is not my fault that Mark died. And I can choose how I keep Mark alive in my life, in my heart, in my business, with my kids, with his friends, with my friends. I, that's my response to the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Even in those moments. Yes. Um, <clears throat> which leads so perfectly into the M, which is moments. Yes. Not moments. Yes. <laughs> that's the M. 
them right there. That's the end. And that, the that's exactly. The kids and the blowing kisses and, and yes. yes. Okay. So it let's talk about the, them. Yeah. It is the fact that moments are so much more important than the minutes. And I see this, I, I can imagine with a lot of widows and people who have gone through loss. And especially if we're feeling like we have to sort of contract to protect ourselves a bit. And then it's, are we showing up enough for our kids? Are we showing up enough for other people? And that's where I just want to assure people that moments are so much more important than minutes. And when we remember that, and when we can say, okay, I cannot, I cannot physically be present for people eight hours a day today. I am barely hanging on. But what I do know is that when I'm with somebody, I can be present then that moment is more important than the minutes. Mm -hmm. So if we can be fully present with whoever we are with or, or whatever we're doing, it, it helps alleviate that guilt. It helps the vision I always have is like somebody water skiing and the two skis like start to split apart. And it's like, what are you going to do when we're half in one place and half in another, that's what it feels like. So if I'm working, but thinking about my kids, then I'm not really giving like full presence to whoever I'm working with. When I'm with my kids, if I'm like, if I'm at the zoo on my phone, answering emails, I'm not fully with my kids. Right. But if I know that when I'm with my kids, I am fully present as fully as we can be right. Like there's (laughs) your phone's still going to ding. Right. But if I'm giving as much attention as I can to my kids, then when I'm working, I don't feel guilty about not being with my kids right? because I'm fully with them when I'm with them. Yes. So that's that moments, not minutes is what do we want to be there for the important moments or just as many minutes as possible. Yes. That's so important for widows to take away. I hope everybody's listening. (laughs) (laughs) Listen to that part again. Yeah. That was a big thing that I felt like I did. I was doing that and I wasn't even really aware that I was doing that or trying to do it. It was kind of like a survival thing for me. Yeah. You know, um, during that first year, during that first, even two years of being there with my daughter and being in that moment. That was, it was a survival mechanism for me. (laughs) And also knowing too, that you can change things in a moment, right? Because I talk about how I use this framework in parenting a lot because I am not a perfect parent, right? I snap at my kids sometimes when Jonathan was first learning how to climb in and out of the car. I'm like, just get in the car. Right. (laughs) And then I like had to be in the next moment, say that was just a moment. That does not make me a bad mom. Mm. It does not make me a bad person. I just hit my, hit my limit. And I don't have to continue on that path. I don't have to do, I just can choose now. Okay. So now let me get, let me attend my own party. Let me get grounded back in the moment and now say, okay, how do I want this moment to go? Yes. That's awesome. Yes. <laughs> for, for the solo parents, uh, that, that patience. <laughs> yep. Move on to the next moment. It's going to be good. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So what's the end? So the end is now is the time. And I feel like, feel like all of you listening really probably get this, right? There's, we never know what's going to happen. Like we have seen that in very sharp relief. We never know what's going to happen to ourselves, to our family, to our jobs, to the world. And I, I say to people, that is not a reason to live scared, but it is a reason to live fully. Mm-hmm. So we never know what's going to happen and there's never going to be a perfect day to start. So why not today? So that is really the first piece of the now is a time is why not now Go after your big, bold dream. Why not now do the thing that's in your heart? But then also I get when we're at the start of something big and scary and we're looking at the top of the mountain, that can seem very far away and very impossible. And so I teach what I call micro actions, which I think we've talked about, which is Mm -hmm. the smallest possible action you will actually take. It is like standing at the bottom of a mountain and going to the first tree. Mm-hmm. then the next tree, then the next tree, the next tree. And you're, you can climb an entire mountain going tree to tree to tree. 
Yes. So when we yes. talk about like parenting, if, if, if our big dream is to be amazing parents, having a good day with our kids is not the micro action. The micro action is 30 seconds, right? It is turning our phone over for 30 seconds, staying present with our kids as they eat their French fries and green beans, whatever it is, right? We start <laughs> small. And then those micro actions, what they'll do is they'll help you start to build momentum and your micro actions will become bigger and they will come faster and they will take you further. But when we're standing still, that's when we have to put the most effort and energy. And so taking those tiny little micro action steps just gets our feet moving. Yes. Yes. Micro actions. Love that word. Um, so when I talk to a lot of widows about the secondary losses, and we talked about this a little while ago, like the loss of the future life that you were expecting yeah. to have together, that picture of, you know, what it was supposed to be like, what it was supposed to be. And you always wanted to have the third baby. Um, okay. So let's go back to that a little bit. Um, did, so nobody really, you, you started off telling a small handful of people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. And then, <laughs> and they were not, they were not like my sisters and my mom. Those people were too close to it. I told three of my girlfriends from my book club. Oh, okay. So a lot of times those first couple people are not, I mean, they're not going to be your closest family members because that's the problem with permission and support is that yes. when we have this big idea, we unconsciously, first of all, we unconsciously go through life asking for permission all the time, we do. right? <laughs> Especially like, so for widows, I remember, I remember thinking about maybe possibly going out on a date, right? right. And I was like, Hey, do you, do you think I should? You know, like, is it time? Is it too soon? Is it? Do you think I should? <laughs> right, exactly. So we do that all the time. We're like, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about starting this, this new business. Do you think I should? Or like, what do you think? Right. Or, you know, I, I think I want to have another baby. Like, what do, what do you think? <laughs> and in doing that, by asking people for permission, they try it on for themselves. And if they are at all uncomfortable with it, they will start to eat away at your dream because they want to keep you safe. They don't want to see you get hurt. They don't want to see you fail. It's not malicious usually. So it's, I don't know, in this economy, should you start a business or man, you know, you want to get out there and date like, yeah, I, I want to see you do that, but I don't want to see you get hurt. Mm -hmm. Maybe you should wait a little bit. So instead of doing that, we, we ask for support and that is, I'm going to do this great thing. And if you would like to support me, amazing. And if you're not comfortable supporting me, that's okay too. Yes. So Indeed. when I decided to get pregnant yeah. with Maricela and, and to me, the decision was so easy, the execution right. took work, but I just always knew, I always knew that I was going to do this. And so I, I did tell one of my sisters and she was like, are you sure? I was like, look, there's never a day when this is not going to be a crazy idea. Right. Like, it's not like, oh, I'm going to turn 45 and be like, now it makes sense. Now it totally <laughs> makes sense to have a baby with the embryos of my passed away husband. Like, no, there was never a day that it was going to make sense. So why not today? Now is the time. Yeah. So, yeah. yes, but there were some people, I mean, one person even told me it was a terrible idea. I mean, it was just, there were some people, it was very painful and I knew that was going to happen. And it doesn't mean it hurts any less. There are literally thousands of people who have reached out and told me how amazing this is. And I can tell you the five people who had bad reactions when I first told them. And that was your close, was it close friends? Mm -hmm. Close friends, family members, like it hurts. So I get that. I'm not trying to diminish or belittle it because there are going to be things you want to do in your life. And there are going to be people who say shitty things. And those are going to be the things that stick in your head and right. you can still go after your big dreams. You don't need yes. anybody's permission to do that. Yes. You remember the five mm -hmm. very clearly mm -hmm. and not the thousands of support. <laughs> well, so let me, so to be clear, when I get stuck in that, when I get stuck in that, I can't believe that person said that. Then I try to shift my focus to look at all the people who are so excited by this. 
look at the women who have reached out and said, thank you for being the inspiration I needed to become a solo parent. You know, thank you for sharing. I thank you for sharing your story of IVF and fertility because I feel less alone or the fact that I had a miscarriage. People are like, thank you for sharing that. Cause we just don't talk about our stories enough. And a lot of it goes back to, um, the changes that are happening in our lives and, you know, our lives are constantly evolving, right? It, it's constant. We talk about friendships changing, perspective changing, and sometimes after you move, you lose your spouse, you have to move. So location changes, a lot mm-hmm. of things, identity changes, shifts, you know, you move to a different house, even a different city and, um, and people don't like change, you know, no. we hate it. We hate change. Especially change we're not choosing. Yes. Yes. So we, you know, we like to know what's coming, but (laughs) (laughs) what advice can you give to other widows to embrace change or to feel better about change? Oh, so I think one of the things I would say is to really honor all of your feelings. Okay. So I teach what I call the pad method, because a lot of times when we're feeling overwhelmed, we're feeling paralyzed, we're scared, you use this method. And so that is to pause and get grounded. So pause and get present back in the moment. If I need to do that really fast, I'll just like run my fingers over my palms Mm. or like, just like, kind of like get back. Like here is where my body is. Right. So we pause, take a couple of breaths, what have you. And then the A is acknowledge, acknowledge how you're feeling. Don't try to judge it. Don't try to change it. Just acknowledge it. I'm really pissed off right now. I'm scared. I'm frustrated. I'm happy. I'm overwhelmed. Anything. And then do something, get into some sort of action, right? So if that is, so as I'm, I'm writing my book and we're submitting it to agents right now. And there was a day I was drowning in anxiety. And I, I literally said that out loud. I, I was talking to some, some of my clients and my friends. I was totally acknowledging this. I was owning it. And I would just get really present. And I would say, I am drowning in anxiety. And then I would do something. I just pushed send on an email. Yeah. Okay. So if you're dealing with this change, like, let's just say, let's use the example of moving to a new home, right? Get really present. Acknowledge how you're feeling. I'm scared. I'm scared of moving to this new house. Or I'm scared about paying the mortgage or I'm pissed. Mm -hmm. I'm pissed that I have to leave this house that I love. Yeah. Or I'm pissed that my husband died. My spouse died. Right. Cause we can be angry. There are days that I'm really angry and then do something, right? What is the next right thing that you need to do? And if you can't do something towards like your goal, then just get up and change your physical state have a dance party, go for a walk, take a shower, something where you can break that stare of, of how you're feeling right now. So we pause, acknowledge and do something. Yes. It's that fear of change that keeps us paralyzed. Yeah. Yeah. If you do something, I'm all about taking action, girl. I'm all about it. (laughs) Yeah. And, and again, we feel our feelings because When we stuff them down, it's like pushing a beach ball under the water in a pool. Eventually it's going to explode. It's like, I call them the emotional riptides. When we fight, if you, (laughs) I've heard, I've never been caught in a riptide, but I have been told that if you were to be caught in a riptide, if you fight against it, you will drown. The natural inclination is to fight it, but you will drown. If instead you relax and you start swimming calmly, then riptide will pull you out of it. So when you're having all those feelings, when I am sad, I dive into it. I let myself be sad because when I fight it, I can drown in it and it sticks around. So I'm just, I own it all the time. I'm like, I'm cranky. It's not your fault. Just cranky. (laughs) And then I let it pass. Like that was one thing I used to, Mark would come home from work. I'm like, just so you know, I'm in a real bad mood. It's not your fault. Just dealing with it. And then it would pass, but he would come home and be like, are you okay? He's like, I'm fine. I was like, you're not acting fine. It's like, I'm totally fine. I was like, okay, well then you're really pissed off at me because you're not acting fine. <laughs> so just acknowledge it without trying to change it or judge it. Right. right. 
Okay. I'm going to ask you a random question, but oh, I like it. Do you ever have dreams about Mark? I do. I do. Um, and man, we were kind of talking before we started of like, you're, I know you're going to ask some questions that a lot of podcasts would not ask me. Um, I really <laughs> do. And it's interesting because, um, one of my friends is, I always, I used to always say I was like one, a one woo kind of girl, right? Like just one, not totally woo woo, but like just one woo. And she's like, I really think you're like two woos. (laughs) They're both in there. And so she and I were talking recently and like, I've just gotten much more back into like meditation and journaling. And that has helped me feel really, really grounded. And I think has helped me, I don't know, feel Mark's presence more because, so my dad passed away from cancer 18 years ago. Okay. And, and my grandmother who I was very close to passed away when I was 16. So like I've had the fair amount of loss and when my grandmother passed away and when my dad passed away, I always felt them with me. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I felt like they were just keeping an eye out. I remember when, when my house burned down. So two weeks before my house burned down, I got laid off for the second time. Mm. No, the first time that was the first time. Then my car got broken into, then my house burned down. And I remember feeling like, I feel like my dad is up there being like, okay, you've tested her enough. She's strong. Like let's give her a break. So I do sometimes have dreams about Mark and I also, um, sometimes have very vivid dreams. So I sometimes wake up and feel like he's still with me, like he's still alive. And that's very hard. I also have found it fascinating that my daughter talks about Mark a lot. Like she, especially, this is just such, it's like heartbreaking and heartwarming at the same time, right after Mark passed away this is going to make me cry. Um, I was sitting in the chair in my daughter's room and I was really sad and I was crying and she came up and she goes, mommy, don't be sad. Daddy loves you so much. And I was like, you are two years old. How are you telling me this? And with such certainty. So yeah, the short answer is yes. And you know, there has to be something there has to be something there, there, right? Like when she, when you're two years oh, old, yeah. I mean, Claire did that to me. It was uh, probably three weeks after uh, Brent passed away. We were laying in the bed and we were getting ready to go to sleep. Uh, Cause she started sleeping with me right after. That's a whole yeah. other thing. Yep. But um, so we're laying in the bed and she reached over and she grabbed my face and she turned it towards her like that. And she, and she said, mommy, She's like, never give up, never, ever give up. Like, just like everything in her little body was trying to give me this message. Yeah. And she was too. Yeah. It's like, how do you, where did you hear that and get yeah. those words and feel so much emotion behind it as a two-year-old, yeah. you know, it's, it's just it's powerful. And I think, yeah. look whatever it is, right. Whatever it's like, who am I to question whether my daughter is having these dreams about her dad or not? Right. Yeah. Who am I to question, but she says she is. And so why not believe her and why not honor that for her? Because whether she is having these dreams while she's asleep or she is just thinking about her dad and thinking he loves my mom. And I want to tell her that, or he, he loves me. And I want to know that, like, what is the harm in that? Right. Right. And, and one thing I will say about it, and especially like if a lot of your listeners are moms. And again, I use these, all these principles with my children. And one of the things is that when Guinevere is sad and she says, I'm, I'm sad because I miss daddy. I tell her it is okay to be sad. And we talk about it. We don't fight it. I don't try to fix it for her. Say, it's okay to be sad. What, what can we do? I also recently, within the last year, for sure, have said, it is okay to be sad. And it is also okay to be happy. Mm-hmm. You being happy. I haven't said this to her, like, specifically. But 
her being happy does not invalidate how much she loves her dad. And so sometimes I think she feels she, when she's sad, she has to be sad about her dad. And so that's why we will be like, well, if daddy were here right now, what do you think he would say? And then we start Mm -hmm. telling stories about how silly is now. Also, sometimes she's, it's because I've done something she's not happy about, like tell her it's time for bed. And she's like, I'm sad because I miss daddy. And I say, well, if daddy were here, he would be saying the exact same thing that I am. So no, you used to do that to me all the time. Yes. Well, dad, I just lost daddy. I'm like, well, daddy was backing me up. So, right, right. No, go to bed. (laughs) Right, exactly. So, but that is where it's just so powerful for us to be present in the moment. Yeah. Right. Because when I try to fight my kids, like I've talked about this with some of my clients a lot recently about bedtime, right? Like when I try to fight my kids, the other day, my daughter said, she packed up her little toy suitcase. She's like, well, I am just going to run right out of this house. And I said, (laughs) great. Where are you going? And she was like, I don't know, Caroline's. And I said, okay, what are you going to do there? I'm going to have a snack. Okay. She took her little suitcase. She walked down the stairs. I called over the banister. I'm like, are you, are you leaving? She's like, yeah. I said, okay. I said, um, and what, (laughs) I can't even remember how this transition happened. I was like, if you'd like, we could pretend that your room is a hotel and she loves a hotel. Oh, so she brought her suitcase right back upstairs. And I said, thank Welcome to the Farland, Ho- Farland Woods Hotel. Oh. It's house. Welcome to the Farland Woods Hotel. Um, I, you have one of our best rooms. It's a balcony room because she's on a bunk bed. So oh. I'm like, I was like, may I show you to your stairs? I'm like, and then my son was like, I want to check in too. And I said, great. You also have an excellent room. It's a ground floor one because he's on the bottom. And all of a sudden, because we stayed present, I wasn't trying to fight it. I wasn't trying to change her opinion. Bedtime became so much smoother. Right. And they went to bed and, you know, in the morning they woke up in a different mindset. So, and I bet you did too. You're like, I am a great mom. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Forget the fact that I told him to get in their dang car seats. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but it's just the more I fight it and like, just go to bed, just go to bed. Then they're good because when, when you fight, like it's the reaction, right? This is why we try to respond, not react because the reaction is there's always an equal and opposite reaction. So the way we fight is only because there's something to push against. Mm -hmm. If there's nothing to push against, if you're in agreement or you're just going with them, then it's like, it's like the wall falls down that they're leaning against. So it's like, Oh, okay. There's nothing for me to fight with mom's on my side. Yeah. Figure this out. Solo parenting tips from Bevin. Oh it's so hard. Solo it is so parenting. hard. I was interviewed when I was pregnant with Marisol. I was interviewed about it. And, there, and I was like, look, solo parenting is hard. Parenting is hard. And I don't think that we should not do something just because it might be hard. Because mm-hmm. right. we can do hard things. Yes. It's one of my favorite okay. podcasts right now. We can do hard things. We definitely can. We do it. We do it every day. Mm-hmm. Oh goodness. <clears throat> okay. I want you to tell us please all about your latest projects, programs, um, the book you're writing. Let's hear about that. Um, yeah. So the book you, is yeah. in process. People are like, when's it coming out? I'm like, well, let's hope 2023. That's the hope. Okay. So the book is called take the damn chance, which we've really mm-hmm. shifted the whole movement over to this. Take the damn chance, right? It's all about taking the chance on yourself, on your big dreams So that, and it just walks you through the framework and how to apply it to a variety of different situations. Because like I said, everything is really, I I joke and say, if it has the word damn in it, it's probably mine, right? Yeah. (laughs) I've got to grow the damn business mastermind. I've got to do the damn thing mastermind. And so that's Uh, really my damn manifesto. When I talk about my yes and my why, my yes is to share the damn framework with as many people as possible in as many ways as possible. And when I talk about my why it is in order to create a sustainable, thriving business that both supports and inspires my children and the world. And that's my like, yes. And six dimensional why. So everything is around that. So I do have a free training that your listeners could go grab. It's at do the damn thing.com. And that really is about how do you, and especially if you're listening and you're like, I don't 
know what my big dream is. And I certainly don't know how to bring it to life. Mm-hmm. Go get this free training. It's bingeable. You could literally watch it all right now. And it will talk to you about how do you craft your damn manifesto and build your foundation and pick up and build momentum. And those are the keys, right? We have our manifesto, a foundation and momentum. And those three things you with pair with those three things together, you can truly bring anything to life. Yes. I will put that link in the show notes today so that everyone can find that. So everyone go and find that. Yes. So the, okay. So we can expect this book next year. Hopefully. Yes. No, it's going to happen. It's going to happen one way or another, but yes, it should be in 2023. So exciting. So exciting. Um, okay. So tell us then also about your, um, where we can find you Instagram. You just gave us the one website, but Facebook, anything else where we can find you? Yeah. So on Instagram, I'm Bevan Farrand. Um, and, and really that is kind of like, luckily I have a very unique name, right? So I'm either the damn girl or Bevan Farrand. So um, (laughs) yeah. So Instagram was Bevan Farrand. And also from, you can do this from the do the damn thing.com or from bevanfarron.com, but you can join the take the damn chance community. So we have a community. And I think, especially again, as widows, like we crave that community where we can have that support. So we have this Facebook community where it really is just a place to like, see yourself being supported and motivated by what other people are creating, but to have people cheer you on as well. And so those, that's the best places to find me. Awesome. I love it. I love all of it. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You are such an inspiration, really. Um, such a beacon of light and a sparkle of joy and hope and so inspiring. I just love everything that you said and everything that you do. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you for what you're doing because it really, it's hard, right? Like being a widow, having traumatic loss is hard. There's no two ways about it. And so thank you for sharing this message and giving your listeners a place to really explore and normalize what we're feeling and what we're going through. It's really important. So thank you for having me and for the work that you're doing. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. So sweet. Um, all right. Well, we will keep in touch and, um, and I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Here are the takeaways from Bevan. Number one, Bevan lost her husband, Mark, suddenly when he fell asleep on Thanksgiving night and didn't wake up the next morning. Their kids were two and a half and 10 months old. Number two, Bevan said it never occurred to her to stop and curl up in a ball and give up. Her priorities were her kids, her health, and keeping her house. Number three, Bevan goes over the damn framework with us. The D is decide and declare. Her example was that in 2020, she decided to move forward with the IVF that she and Mark had planned, and she is now the mama of three kiddos. Baby Maristella was born in 2021. Number four, Bevan has clients create something called the damn manifesto, and that is your why and your yes. She says, we have forgotten how to dream like children. We need to dream bigger. Number five. The A of the damn framework is attend your own party. When we are grounded in the moment, that's when we make the best decisions. We think about the what is and not the what if. Number six, the M is that the moments are more important than the minutes. It's all about being fully present in the moment. Number seven, the N stands for now is the time. We never know what's going to happen. That's not a reason to live scared, but it is a reason to live fully. Number eight, Bevan teaches us about taking micro actions, the smallest action you can possibly take to get you on your way to your big, bold goal. Start small, then build momentum. Number nine, when dealing with stress or anxiety or unwanted change, Bevan teaches us the PAD method, which is pause, acknowledge your feelings, and then do something. So just remember that, P-A-D. Number 10, her new book coming out next year is called Take the Damn Chance, and it walks us through the damn framework. 
You can grab this free training that she was talking about at www.dothedamthing.com. That training talks all about building momentum in your life. And you can find Bevan on Instagram at Bevan Farrand. That's B-E-V-I-N-F-A-R-R-A-N-D. I'll put the links to everything in the show notes so you can find it there. I had so much fun during that interview. It was so great talking to Bevan. She is so amazing and such an inspiration. And it's always so inspiring to see how far a person can go and push themselves and be so courageous, like despite their circumstances and despite what they've been through. Bevan and I talked a little bit about having confidence. And if this is something that you've been struggling with, I get it. I definitely get it. This was something that was so difficult for me because I feel like I was such a confident person before. I feel like I could tackle so much before. And then after I lost my husband, it changed me. It just changed me into this smaller version of my normal self. I guess that's the best way to explain it. And I know this is a very common struggle for widows. A lot of widows feel the same way, like they just lose their self-esteem and they lose their confidence and they don't trust their judgment anymore. And that's why I created this new online course that I did. It's called Rebuilding Confidence After Loss. And it's 10 strategies that you can put into practice immediately to help you feel capable again, to help you feel empowered again, so you can move into this next chapter of life with more certainty and more confidence in yourself. You can sign up and get more information about the course and get the course at www.widow180.com forward slash confidence. That's www.widow180.com forward slash confidence. I'll put that link in the show notes. And I wanted to read this comment from JS on our YouTube channel, Widow180 the channel. She says, thank you for another great video that is giving me hope. I've really enjoyed watching this channel. You guys, did you know that we have a YouTube channel? It's Widow 180 the channel. Go check it out and subscribe. We post videos every week. Leave me a comment. I'd love to hear your comments. And please share the podcast, share the YouTube channel with other widows who need to hear these stories. Thanks so much for listening, you guys. Until next week, believe in the possibilities. Thank you so much for listening to Widow 180, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you're seeking daily inspiration and guidance, you can follow me on Facebook at Widow 180, the community, on YouTube at Widow 180, the channel, and on Instagram at Widow 180. If you're interested in more grief and widowhood resources, including our latest freebie, How to Get Your Life Back Together After Loss, a 10-step checklist, head over to www.widow180.com forward slash freebie. That's www.widow180.com forward slash freebie.